This is Banging on the Drum. It is another beautiful day in West Central Wisconsin, and welcome into Season 2, Episode 32 of Banging on the Drum. I am your host, P-Dog. Joined along with my co-host and Wilton M-Dog. How you doing, Mike? Well, I suppose those should have been like um, sad, sad howls or like yips or something. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't know. I feel like the dream of running the table all the way to the Super Bowl died yesterday. I shouldn't say I feel like it. It did for sure. Yeah. 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 It was a quick death. I was going to say quick and painless, but it was definitely not, not painless. That one was absolutely brutal i felt like it's, it's such a wisconsin sports thing to do is like to oh man i was about to make a joke too soon but i'll do it anyways to be uh getting cpr on the field and then make, make <laughs> making a full comeback and then then just shit in the bed uh right before the play yeah, so I feel like we usually are on the opposite end of that, that like we start hot, everything's looking good, and then shit just erodes and erodes and erodes, and then all of a sudden uh, somebody drops an onside kick and then we lose a game. Yeah. I feel like that's more the way it happens than like we're we're left for dead and then we give the teams hope. I feel like – we always are like in the driver's seat and then all of a sudden it falls apart in the last two or three minutes. You're right. Which, it felt, it that's felt not, more, that was not this season for sure. It definitely felt more like a Badgers thing to do, like lose a couple games early and then have a chance to win the big 10 West and then beat some good teams and then go and lose to Minnesota last game of the season. I mean, that's what happened this year. Well, yeah. Or get stomped in the Big Ten Championship or, you know, yeah, something like that. If It definitely felt more Badger-like than Packer-like. But as always, we thank you guys for listening. I know lots of people are avoiding uh, podcasts and stuff that talk about the Packers. I mean, if you're me, that's kind of what I've been doing, um, avoiding watching uh, sports news and anything like that. But we do have something refreshing. We haven't recorded it yet, but we're going to do the dealio with Kelio. And that's going to be our first segment. So we're going to be talking some Badgers football, getting the lowdown on our new transfers that are coming in, our new coaches that are coming in. And as you guys know, if you've been listening, Keel's usually pretty plugged into this shit. This is, this is his jam. So that should be good. Then we're going to run with the pack. I think we're going to try to be pretty quick with running with the pack. Now we're going to do our bing bong recap, do the overs and unders at the end of the show. But as always, thank you for listening. We love you guys and appreciate it. And the next thing you're going to be hearing is either Mike, if he has something to say, or the dealio with Kelio coming up. All right. So here we are. We got the dealio with Kelio. We're bringing Andrew Keel back on to, uh, 
break down some of the moves that we've had with the Wisconsin Badgers. We've had a lot of big moves since the Badgers hired Luke Fickle. We had you on right after they hired him, kind of got your opinion on that. And then uh, really the Badgers have been putting out a lot of uh, what you like to call big thick energy, right? And so you want to just tell us a little bit about what they've brought in for transfers since they hired Luke Fickle? Yeah. So I think um, one thing I talked about the last time I was on was trying to figure out uh, a new staff and their approach to recruiting and how much this new department and then the new guys that they have in offensive defensive coordinator positions were going to affect what they're doing. And I think the number one thing that we're seeing is um, them attacking the portal in a way that we haven't seen in the past until the quarterback position first and foremost. And um, I think with the guy that they got from um, Oklahoma as a transfer with Nick Evers, uh, kind of the first big uh, ball to drop, um, really kind of opened the door for other other people to do that. Nick Evers was a big recruit out of Texas, um, wasn't quite in the five-star territory, but it was a decent four-star recruit that went to Oklahoma and um, ended up transferring out of there. And he was kind of the first big ball to drop um, for us. And then um, looking at the guy that they got from SMU, who I think will be our starting quarterback uh, next year uh, in uh, Tanner Mordecai, which I also just love that name uh, to say, uh, put up like 444 yards, 4,040 yards, um, over like 30 some touchdowns. Jamie, I don't know if you want to find the exact touchdown rate, uh, but I think it was like 44 touchdowns and he had a few more interceptions this year. Um, but the previous year, he had very similar numbers with more, um, or I was just say with less interceptions. And um, if you watch any of the tape on him, he's got a dual threat capability um, and he likes to just sling it. And I think with our new offensive coordinator, um, that's kind of the offense that we're going to see um, with a lot of guys running in space, a lot of guys running up the sidelines um, and then them taking a different approach from the time management, clock management type of style to let's go make some big plays on the outside um, with a lot of vertical and go routes. Um, I think they've done some really good work in uh, kind of areas that people aren't going to get super excited about with some interior offensive linemen, two guys from Cincinnati. Um, one of them was like a walk on um, at Cincinnati, but ended up, I think he's in his third year, ended up playing in like 13 or 14 games. Um, and then the other guys, they're starting center um, that they had on Cincinnati, who was kind of a, you know, the Cincinnati was in the All-American Conference. He was first team, I'm pretty sure, um, All-American Conference offensive lineman. Um, we've done some work um, in uh, the defensive line uh, with a guy from Temple. Um, and we just signed today a guy from Michigan State. But it's been a, a roller coaster. We have the only guy I didn't mention so far is a, kind of a safety nickel corner guy from Boston College. Um, mostly older guys, one or two years of eligibility. Um, but I think everybody thinks when transfer, they think quarterback and wide receiver for Wisconsin, cause we just haven't seen success there. Um, but we really had some gaps that we had to fill, um, on de the defensive line and the offensive line. And they've done, done that very well as well. And they're definitely not done, um, going to get more transfers. So the, Stats. So he had in 2021, 39 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. And then this year he had 33 touchdowns with only 10 interceptions. 
and then both years. So 2021, he threw for 3,628 yards. 2022, he threw for 3,524 yards. Um, rushing stats, I don't have it up. I'm not that good of a Jamie. I'm, I'm sorry. That took me a, a little too long to find, too. But I'll let you guys get back into it. Yeah, so, I mean, everything that I've seen, it sounds like Mordecai is going to be the starting quarterback. I think I heard a guy say at work, like, that they went out and they got Nick Evers, right? And they didn't quit there, which I think is a big piece of, like, what's different about uh, Luke Fickle and his staff. And I guess I just what I kind of want to know is who makes the biggest impact outside of Mordecai, right? So the media, if the Badgers win next year, Mordecai is going to take a lot of the like fame of that, but who actually makes the biggest impact outside of them that they got for a transfer, not a recruit currently. Yeah. So I think the first one is the interior offensive line. He's the start, he'll be the starting center. Most likely his name's Jake Renfro. Um, we have a really good, um, guy in Tanner Bordellini that can play left guard tackle. He's a really big, versatile guy, um, but he would have been who was our starting center, but it's not his best position. It's just the best option at that position. Um, so I think Renfro is going to come in and, and be that starting center to replace Joe Tittman, who went to the NFL, um, and he'll take over that spot, which will allow um, Bordellini to move to probably a guard position, which um, just strengthens our offensive line across the board. And then on top of that puts our, like our two deep in um, on the offensive line, just uh, really talented, uh, really experienced um, yet, you know, we're starting as, you know, junior, senior versus sophomores on the offensive line, which doesn't make sense with this development and size um, and what they're looking to do. Um, we were able to get him from Cincinnati. And then I think another one is a guy I've never seen play um, and his name's Darian Varner, um, who is a defensive lineman out of Temple. Uh, he's a very highly rated transfer defensive lineman, um, three-star 89 overall based off of the 24-7 sports um, as far as the transfer portal rating goes. Um, and I think one thing that we're able to get those guys is this this guy, Varner, in particular, uh, was a guy that's from Virginia um, and committed to transfer to Virginia Tech, um, and we just went and got him. And I think that's really hard. I think it's our like fifth player out of Virginia since, you know, ever. I think our last one was in like the 80s. Um, and Virginia is known as a recruiting state that doesn't let guys just like go out. So the fact that he went to Temple the first time is unique. Um, and then having to commit it to Virginia Tech, his kind of home school, um, to go and get him, I think just speaks to that. So it's two guys that are, you know, uh, interior um, kind of linemen. Uh, which people aren't going to want to hear too much of, but they're going to be names that people get to know as new people um, that I think solidify just the core of what we need to do next year to be successful on offense and defense. Uh, all right. So um, getting back to Mordecai, how will that affect like the Nick ever signing, right? Will that be an issue moving forward? Will he re-enter the portal? Um, well, he can't this year cause he's signed. So he's officially, uh, signed his letter of intent to come to, to come to Wisconsin. 
Um, he stated that he knew the Badgers were going after other quarterbacks, going after more of a fifth year, six year grad grad transfer type of a player um, to kind of fill that gap. And one thing that I think he's aware of and everybody else is aware of is just how bare the room was after Mertz left. Um, before Mordecai committed, like Chase Wolf coming back was a huge deal just to get depth um, within the offense uh, in that room. So adding a guy like Mordecai creates competition, creates depth at the position. And I think Nick Evers knows like if he comes in, um, they're both kind of starting from scratch with a new team, uh, a new offensive coordinator. So it's not like, you know, our offensive coordinator went and got his guy from North Carolina. They're both new um, and competition breeds, you know, great teams. So I think that'll allow them to compete at that level. Um, and with Evers being, uh, you know, just a you know second year guy in college football, he's got a lot of time yet to, to earn his stripes, play, get his playing time. Um, but I think he'll get an opportunity as a redshirt freshman to see the field if he's the most talented guy. So I don't think it'll matter overall at the end. And I, I think Nick Evers is for sure. Um, he has to come to Wisconsin this year, so that's not going to change anything. <laughs> one thing I still haven't quite figured out with some of the transfers is they have what you call like a one-time transfer deal where you can transfer anywhere you want and don't lose eligibility. Um, so him leaving again, um, I don't think as, as simple as him leaving the first time. I'm sure he's got to fill out some sort of waiver um, which the NCA is just kind of approving a lot of, uh, but if he sits out this year, he's for sure the most talented and experienced guy coming back the following year uh, with three three years of eligibility left. So he'll have plenty of opportunity to get time at Wisconsin. All right, and uh, both those guys have Oklahoma ties, Texas ties. Uh, they're both from uh, area in Texas. Uh, they grew up knowing each other. Um, Nick Evers specifically uh, is kind of famous in Texas. His quarterback coach is Kyler Murray's dad, who Kyler Murray uh, is probably the most famous high school quarterback in Texas football history. Um, so to have that kind of pedigree and coaching and connection with guys who are in the NFL, guys who have done it before um, and play the position very similar um, with that. But uh, Mordecai was also from, from Texas as well as a recruit um, that I think – yeah, I think they did. Yeah, now that you say that, they both did go to Oklahoma. Uh, Mordecai ended up transferring to, uh, to SMU before coming to the Badgers. Okay. Um, it's coming as a grad transfer, not a not just a regular transfer like Nick Evers. Right. And so that that's a little bit more open. We saw that in the past with guys like Russell Wilson, right? Uh, do we have any, like, has Luke Fickle – got any big time high school recruits yes um he kind of luke fickle did two things he kind of shirred up our class um to where uh we only lost one additional person after he got signed on as a coach that went someplace else um and he ended up bringing in uh three of our top five recruits um all of them are defensive backs um braylon moore who's a four-star safety committed to Cincinnati. Um, we flipped him out of Ohio. Um, Amari Snowden, who's going to be everybody's, I think, darling recruit once they start to see him in games. He's a big 6'3", 200-pound uh, corner, just like a corner with size and speed and athleticism um, that we haven't seen at Wisconsin. Um, our corners have been undersized um, and have been not explosive athletes, and he brings that to the table. 
uh, actually was going to Cincinnati to play uh, football and baseball. So he's got a lot of different type of traits and talent that comes with that. And so when he comes to Wisconsin now, obviously we don't have a baseball team. Um, so he'll be have to heavily focus and solely focus on football. Um, and then another guy who I don't know how to pronounce his name, but it's Jonas Duclona. Uh, he's out of Florida. He's playing in the All-American Bowl um, right now. He's not a four-star recruit, but he's another high cornerback recruit um, that he brought directly with him. So we signed uh, five defensive back players, uh, four corners and one, one safety. Um, and on top of that, bringing in a transfer to really sure up, um, I think, that 3-3-5 three, 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 defense that Trestle and Fickle have run at Cincinnati for so many years. All right, yeah, so that sounds good. Like, it sounds like we're able to, like, compete in what the new college football world is. Uh, what are we doing differently in terms of the NIL that we were not doing, di- like, not doing previously? Um Using it to get recruits, I think, versus using it once recruits get on campus. I think that's been the biggest change in how um, kind of the old guard used to do things. Like they had no problem helping their players that were on campus get deals, make money while they were at Wisconsin. Um, But what we're seeing right now, specifically in the transfer portal, um, is just what they're doing with NIL deals to get guys on campus. Um, For example, Tanner Mordecai as a transfer um, basically had said he was going pro. Um, he was going to go to the NFL. He's going to test the draft. Um, and then Wisconsin gave him a call. And the next thing you know, a day later, he's coming to the Badgers. And um, I've heard that that deal for Mordecai is as, a, as much as 400000 for him to come for one year. Um, and when you think of that number, it's pretty large, probably – on point with what he would make if he would have made the roster as a late round draft pick or an undrafted free agent. Um, and maybe more money if he would have got cut and had to sign to somebody's practice squad. So I think that using that money to get guys, it's probably a clear indication. I haven't heard as much on some of the other guys as far as dollar amounts go, but the guy committed to Virginia tech wasn't going to just leave uh, Virginia tech to come to a different location unless there was probably something um, that was bringing him in. And then uh, the center that I talked about, Jake Renfro, um, I had read that LSU had offered him a boatload of an NIL deal to come there. Um, and he still chose the Badgers, which means we were probably pretty decently close on the number. Um, and then also just offered a better option for him to come play with the coach that he had had before a school that was a little bit more like-minded to where he had been in the Midwest versus the South. But I think it just goes to show um, we're really flexing our muscle with our alumni base and with the recruiting NIL that we can do. Um, And I think it opens the gates uh, moving forward into the 2024 class um, to just really see what type of stuff we can put together to go get really big guys. And it's stuff that I thought, I, I thought we were five, seven, eight years away from being able to do this type of stuff. Um, and with Fickle and his staff coming in, uh, it's been almost immediate. And the the Badgers Collective is called the Varsity Collective. They are out there doing work with getting donations and getting people bought into how they're going to help uh, people coming to Wisconsin get this money before they get here and then earn it while they get here as well. So 
stuff that I never thought I would see, uh, stuff I had been clamoring for, stuff I had hoped we would get to, um, happened in a month. And it's been a roller coaster. Uh, it's been awesome to watch, uh, awesome to pay attention to. Every time I'm getting online, I'm checking Twitter. I'm checking message boards again. Like It's insane how much activity is going on on the recruiting trail. Um, and that's just not really how Paul Chris did things. Not saying you know, what he did was bad, but he was more of a relationship guy. Take your time, commit if you think it's right. Whereas Fickle's guys um, are pressuring people into like, hey, your spot's going to fill up. Hey, this is where you want to be. Come now so we can get this built. Come now so we can you know, use your commitment to recruit others. Um, and it's such a drastically different style. Um, and it basically flipped and switched overnight. Um, and I think it's limited the amount of recruits that we've lost and it's limited the amount of transfers we've seen out of the program too. just this energy that he's bringing to the table and people are starting to recognize it. All right. So I'm just going to throw this out there. Don't put all your money into the varsity fund. Keel, put a little bit aside into your 401k or something like that. Just uh, not all of it, right? So they, they're just going to get a 12 pack of sun drops for me. There's other people <laughs> that I can give. Oh yeah. Um, as far as like the offensive and defensive coordinators go. So I don't know if we talked to you at all about the UNC guy that happened pretty quickly after fickle got the job, but you just want to talk about Phil Longo and then Mike Trestle for a minute. Yeah. Um, Phil Longo coming out of North Carolina was a pretty big hire. Um, he's had great success. Um, not only recruiting, but having his quarterbacks in college put up big numbers. Um, I think he was at Ole Miss prior to going to North Carolina, um, where he coached like DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. He was in there with those groups. Um, and he runs what is everybody's calling is this air raid, um, where it's a lot of go routes, a lot of guys in space, a lot of verticals um, down the field, um, runs a lot of three wide receiver, one tight end sets. Um, and really tries to push the ball downfield. And why I think he's still a very unique and awesome fit for us is he also um, one year used his personnel to have 2,000-yard rushers at North Carolina and Javante Williams and Michael Carter. Um, so with that offense, he was able to look at it and say, I got these two studs. Both are playing in the NFL regularly. Javante is a beast. Michael Carter seems to be a really good kind of third down back, kind of do-it-all type of guy. Um, and he used those guys to his advantage and pounded the rock and ran it a bunch. Um, and I think that's what makes him so unique to Wisconsin is he brings this level of just deep threat, push the ball downfield, be aggressive attitude um, with the ability to still utilize what we have built on the roster and also what we have built in our advantage in recruiting with linemen and running backs. Now, I'm sure the linemen will have to learn how to block a little bit different. I'm sure they'll have, you know, different ways. I don't know all the ins and outs of offensive line language, but um, he's going to be able to use what the offense has now as strengths and then blend it with what he's trying to build moving forward with just taking deep shots and um, being aggressive and, you know, just not, it's going to be a completely different type of football with Phil Longo. We're not going to be playing for, you know, time of possession and no turnovers and, you know, let's run it 37 times. It's going to be more of a balanced offense with players in space. Um, and he, when he finally was able to speak 
uh, to the media. Um, he said, our goal is to get guys the ball and then let them be. And he said, if I got to coach them after they touch the ball, then they're not guys that I want to be on my team. So he's very about allowing athletes to be athletes. And I'm very, very excited for what that's going to look like because we've seen the same offense for how many years now, even as it's kind of evolved and switched from coordinator to this person, it's been the same type of style. And I think we're going to see that evolve uh, while still being able to use that the run game and everything that we like, but we like it because we're good at it. And that's what is easy for us to recruit. And that's the advantage you want to take it, you know, take and, and run with. Mike Trestle, I don't know as much about. Um, it's not quite as exciting uh, as far as that goes. I know he's got a really good track record in the Big Ten. He was the defensive coordinator for some pretty good Michigan State defenses. And he obviously had an amazing defense the last couple of years at Cincinnati. Um, in his press conference, he talked a lot about blending what they've done with this 3-3-5, which TCU runs is getting their doors blown off by Georgia. I don't know if you guys have seen the score of that game. It's pretty horrendous first half. Um, but also with what we've been able to get with linebackers and balancing the 3-4 at Wisconsin. he That's one thing he was crediting Jim Leonard for very strongly is as a defensive mind, he's been studying what they've been doing. And then when they were able to be around each other for a month, um, he said multiple times, like Jim Leonard had no problem, like breaking down tape, breaking down his personnel, what they do well, what, what he was thinking when he called up and dialed up certain blitz packages, how they used the, the linebackers to create pressure and create confusion. And I think that's really exciting because Wisconsin has had success now with the three, four for seven, seven, eight years. Um, since it was first brought with Gary Anderson. So um, I think taking that and combining them, adding some new wrinkles um, and what they were able to do recruiting with these corners, it's going to allow them to kind of have a lot of flexibility to do whatever they think um, they want. And they can blend all these different styles of play together with some of that too. Um, so, yeah, I think both great hires. We knew Trestle was coming immediately, um, but Phil Longo's really – the reason why we're getting these quarter, quarterbacks um, having developed um, guys like Sam Howell, five-star number one quarterback, and then Drake May, who's the number two quarterback um, and uh, recruit two years ago. So, All right. So everything sounds really good that we've done so far. Is it what is on like the rumor shelf that uh, – might happen here in the next month or two um gonna be a really tough get uh but there's a guy out of usc a wide receiver transfer named cj williams uh he was on campus uh this entire weekend um and he i think was the fifth or sixth overall wide receiver that committed to usc um played in nine or ten games last year i don't know if jamie wants to check out what those stats are um but he's uh, super talented, super fast, um, athletic, twitchy guy, um, and would be the highest rated receiver by far we've ever had at Wisconsin. Doesn't mean he's going to be the best, but just numbers wise, as far as recruiting goes, it wouldn't even be close to what anything we've ever brought in. What's um, the name again? EJ Williams from USC. Um, he just visited West Virginia, like right after Wisconsin, but he's got a, uh, past relationship with, with Nick Evers. Um, and I think those things matter. And when guys are trying to find new spots, I think that connection with the quarterback, um, really helps. And 
Um, I think based off of the momentum we have, I think he's a guy that we can go get. Um, and then hearing things about Mordecai's NIL package, um, I don't really think that we have to worry about that being an issue with him being, you know, being paid to go someplace else. I think we have some options with that. Um, and I think we're probably going to sign at least one more wide receiver recruit um, in the transfer portal. I'm not really sure who that is. Um, there's a guy from Oklahoma State um, that came in, and there's a couple other guys that have visited. Um, I think one of them is a former Cincinnati player. Um, so just a lot, nonstop transfer visits. Um, I saw today that we brought in another quarterback this weekend too, which I was really surprised by given everything else that has happened. Um, but we brought in a guy from Mississippi State to take a visit. Um, I'm not sure who he is how many years of eligibility he has left or anything like that. But I think it's just a relentless of we're just talent acquisition mode right now where it's let's just get everybody we can in um, at positions that we have struggled at in the past and let's see it play itself out. Um, and I think that's how you got to do things. So, yeah, CJ Williams had four catches for 34 yards. So not like a big season. What, what were you wanting to look up though? Like that he's a four-star recruit. I think you mentioned that, right? Yeah, just more maybe like how many games he's played in. I look at that a lot, too, because guys aren't getting targets, uh, especially with uh, Addison. I can't remember his first name. And some of the other talent that USC had on that roster for at wideout, him getting snaps and getting in games is is a clear sign that he has potential and has the ability to, to make big plays. Yeah, his yeah, touches so came in three different games. So, I mean, he was on the field in – in a few of the games. Yeah, so USC had the kid that they got from Pittsburgh, right? I shouldn't say kid, but uh, like the guy from Pittsburgh, he transferred from Pittsburgh. He was like an All-American, transferred from Pittsburgh into USC, right? Yeah, and so, yeah, their their offense was probably relatively high-powered, especially with uh, Lincoln Riley being down there. Yeah. Is that right? Yep. Okay. That felt like the wrong name once I said it, but. And this is a throwback to way before, but you were talking about the one-time transfer deal. So the one-time transfer, you can transfer right away and play, as we know now. But if you're going to transfer again, they are kicking around a rule as long as you are still progressing in your uh, in your field of study. So you're still taking credits towards your field of study that you will be able to play, but they did not adopt that this year but it does look like it's going to be a possibility they said they're going to run a study on it i don't know how you'd run a study on it if you're not gonna practice it but but as of right now evers is stuck yeah and i evers i don't know if it's evers or evers i've called it both i think probably already on this podcast but it doesn't matter because it's a four-star quarterback and fickle and longo have gotten three of them in, uh, you know, overnight when it was Graham Mertz was the first one we had signed in forever. So it's just completely different. It, and it's unbelievable kind of what's going on, having followed recruiting. And the fact that it seems so easy for him uh, is is exciting and then just also irritating. Like, what, what have we been doing for so long? So, I, I mean, so you say that, and I think that, for the most part, people realize that Fickle is 
one of the elite coaches in in college football, right? And kids recognize that too, where the Badgers have never, I don't think they've ever been in a situation where we're talking about one of the top 10 coaches in, in the game, right? We're fickle. You make the college football playoff from a uh, mediocre conference. That's big time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's hard enough for like the big 12 or the Pac 10 to get in or Pac 12 to get in, like to make it from, I don't even know what, which one Cincinnati's in to tell all, you the truth. All American conference. Yeah. And, so to make it from, make it from that is ridiculous. Yeah. And they did it without playing just cupcakes. They beat some really good teams that year too. And yep. they got, you know, beat up in the playoff, but every Every team in that scenario does. That's why it's so shocking TCU beat Michigan. And that's also why they're not shocking that I don't – it was, what, 38-7 to seven at halftime. So, Right. Well, Andy, thank you very much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Um, you always give us great insight, and I'm looking forward to us signing C.J. Williams. Wilson? Williams? Something like that. I'll um, text you if it happens. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it, and I am – I'm really enjoying the big thick energy that's been put out of Madison these days. If so, uh, we sign CJ Williams, I'll buy you a big thick energy shirt. They're online right now. You can get them. <laughs> All right. Big thick energy. That's, that's what we're running out of Wisconsin. So uh, thank you again. We appreciate your time. You're awesome as always. And that was the dealio with Kilio. Um, Want to say thanks to Keel again for coming on. Always has good shit. Um, stays plugged into that Badger stuff. So I thought you two did a good job. I tried to keep my hands out and thought you guys nailed it. So nice work. Have yeah, I felt like I, I jumped a little bit more than I should have in my questioning and kind of put him like off kilter, which is not ideal. That's not my goal when we're doing that stuff. But um, I didn't. That's I like, didn't think that my interview skills there were great. But he did a no, great job explaining what we like, what I wanted to know anyway. Yeah, we like to keep our guests on our toes. And then I mess yeah. with Mike by typing stuff in the Google document. I can see Mike goes to read it, and it's in the wrong place. So. We're a work yeah, in you, progress you, still. We always will be. We're still going to learn things until until this show's 10 years deep. Yeah, then we'll be perfect. 10 years deep. <laughs> Stick around. Yep. Yep. We keep pushing back that deadline. So now we yeah. are going to get into running with the pack. So we're going to try not to beat the dead horse as much as we've done in the past. But I'm going to do my little shtick that i need to do for my sake uh just to do the the big plays and scoring breakdown um really for the packers there wasn't too many big big plays so get a field goal right off the bat so that drive looked like it was going to be promising and i think that's kind of what changed the game in the first quarter i think if they pull off getting a touchdown on that first drive it just changes the whole mindset of the yeah. game. So we have a 75-yard drive, and we just can't get points out of these big drives that we've been having. So ends up needing to take a 22-yard field goal 
uh, from Mason Crosby on a fourth and goal um, from the floor. So, yeah, I think that like in the past few years, having a guy like Devonta Adams, who is one of the best route runners in the league, and especially down in the goal line area, that allowed that offense to excel a lot in the last few years where missing him, I think is fairly obvious. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's kind of a story of the season. I think, I think Rogers coming off two back to back MVP years, we kind of just thought, you know, give him whatever and he'll be able to, you know, drag this team long enough to like get the rookies in sync, which was kind of like what started happening. But just like last season, uh, where last season I would say like we had a great team. I mean, the best weapon in the league in Devontae Adams and our special teams was dog shit, but we kept, you know, not really fixing the problem and just hoping that the problem was going to fix itself. And then our finishing drives this year, I that that's just what bit us in the ass. Because after that field goal, the defense gets a three and out real quick. And then Packers get the ball back and they do a four and out and give the Lions the ball in good field position. Uh, Lions tie the game up on the next drive where the defense holds them to 12 yards. So I guess if you want to nitpick them there, I remember uh, I wasn't thinking too much about it. So fourth and one from the 32, I was kind of happy they went for it. But so just, I thought, I thought for sure that's got to be a Roger sneak there. Yeah, me too. Because I don't. Was, so their play call there was an end around to Lazard, I believe, and then yeah. just I don't understand what one why Lazard gets that ball. Two, why you're trying to get it on the edge, right? So, like, run it at them, like, put it in their face a little bit. Yeah, I, it didn't make sense to me, but it, it was an ultimate like try to catch them off guard type deal, and it definitely didn't. The end around, I mean, they were running that quite a bit, and it seemed like Detroit was keyed on that because their guys were staying home on those end arounds for the most part. And like when we yeah. had like a good one, it was Christian Watson making a guy miss because he was fast enough to do it. Like, yeah, and I think Watson on those end rounds is perfect, right? But yeah. it also when he's in motion, they're probably way more keyed to him. But exactly though, that's then you don't give it to him on that one and you do something else with it. But yeah, they, they were starting to build off some of those plays and then do something. So I didn't hate the end rounds, but that one did seem like a dumb time to call it. So defense holds strong again, though. Uh, only gives up a field goal there. Uh, Packers get the ball back. I think that's the drive where there was a big pass interference. Uh, I don't know if you can correct me if I'm wrong. No, no, eight play, 36-yard drive. So um, get another field goal there. So I'll skip through the first half because it was boring. So anyways, going into halftime. Packers have the lead nine to six. Uh, next big play I would say we had was we had an eight play, 41 yard drive 
uh, and Crosby misses a 53-yard field goal. So we didn't get so lucky with the crossbar this today or yesterday. So, so yeah, that happened. So then that obviously gives Detroit a pretty good field position. And they hit uh, Raymond for a 43-yard gain. He takes it down to the one. And Jamal Williams, our old boy, just breaks our heart, breaks uh, Barry Sanders' heart as well, gets a touchdown. But then this is what gave me faith. I was like, okay, maybe we are going to do it. Because the Packers respond by putting a nine-play, 83-yard drive together, capped off with a touchdown to Alan Lazard. Um, so we did, that was our one good drive that we finished of the game. And that was the last time the Packers were going to score. So at that point in time, the game was, uh, 16 to 13 Packers with the lead. And then Detroit puts together a 75 yard drive, um, leaving five minutes and 57 seconds on the clock. Uh, So plenty of time for the Packers to respond, but they capped that off with another Jamal Williams touchdown run. So I think he tied the record with the first touchdown run, Barry Sanders record, and then he broke it with that. I can't believe Sanders never had more than like, I would have assumed his record would have been like 24 or 25 touchdowns in the season. Cause Back in the day, it was a different thing. Yeah, no, like, I was surprised to see some of the records that we see. Like, obviously, we have an extra game, so there's going to be, like, record. I yeah. think there's going to be a lot of single-season records broken in these next couple of years. But, yeah, I was I was surprised by that, too. Yeah, and so I just like to say that we say that they broke the record because that's what happened. They set a new standard for what a 17-game season now is. Like it doesn't diminish what the guy that did 16 is, but it is the new record. Right. So you're not breaking that old record necessarily. You're setting the new record. I like that. I like, uh, like the way you stated that, but yeah, so we get the ball back with five minutes left. And that was when Kirby Joseph, Aaron Rodgers, invisible man on the field, gets his interception, picks Aaron Rodgers off for the third time in the season. And then Dan or yeah, Dan Campbell, right? I'm Joe Campbell. Not going to have to go with Joe Campbell there, but just, just big nuts on that guy. Uh, Not that, not even really. Um, I know he does and he might've done played the game the same way, even if he had the chance, but that's kind of like where it turned into a like Detroit had nothing to lose. So he was, you know, being risky as risky can be just crazy play or the one play call with the, cause what was it? An end around option type deal that they did. Or did they did they throw out the pass out there and then pitch it? Yeah, you know, that's what it was. It was yeah. it was I like a hook and ladder. Yeah, it was like a hook and ladder of. behind the line of scrimmage. But right, but so with 
they're not going to do anything. If they lose, they're staying home. And if they win, they're staying home. So it, honestly, it kind of doesn't matter to them. Yeah, no, it was. And, and they mentioned that on the broadcast, right? Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, story of the game for me was obviously, like I said, like right off the bat, just not being able to finish those drives. And because yep. we absolutely, to me, it felt like we absolutely dominated the first half. Um, yep. I don't know what the numbers for like time of possession and yards per half were in, in the first half, but it felt like we should have had like a 21 to six lead going into halftime. And as you know, we didn't even score more than 16 points. Um, but just, just couldn't finish drives. Honestly, Lambo too. The crowd seemed weak to me. I could not believe like it, it almost sounded like Detroit had like, I wouldn't say as many fans as us, but it, it sounded bad. Like the game before it, uh, when they played the Vikings, where you would think there would be more of a a split crowd. Uh, but I mean, the Vikings didn't have anything to cheer about in that game. I guess the Packers didn't really give the fans too much to cheer about in that game. But Yeah, but Lambeau used to be loud and it used to be a thing to go there. Right. It used uh, like, I don't know. I've never been overly impressed. Like, maybe it's because I've been jaded to what it is. Right. So I'll go and I'll be like, so this is supposed to be one of the best venues in America. Right. But I've never been to a venue that wasn't good either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know it was... I mean? I've never been to a Jags game when there's 20,000 people in the stands. It's that's never been the case for me. So. I mean, I've been to a couple of college basketball games like where I wouldn't expect it to be full and it was pretty underwhelming. But you just saying the Jags won, though. So I I watched the Jags game and I was telling you before the show with with a couple of people who were actually Jaguars fans. But that place was absolutely rocking in Jacksonville. Granted, I think it was kind of a blessing that it was a Saturday night. So like. You know, people didn't have to work the next day for the most part because yep. I don't know. That Packers game was so big that I would like to think if I was in Wisconsin and I got tickets to it, I would go and be loud. But it is what it is. I mean, it's cold. I don't love going to games in January and December, so I guess I shouldn't be shitting on, on our fans uh, that were yeah, actually my, there. Right. My personal opinion is. I I've enjoyed going to games, you know, a, you know, handful of times, but um, I, I like watching football better on television. I think. Oh, a hundred percent. I think it's a better product. The only thing you miss is the atmosphere. And yeah. so if your atmosphere is kind of dull, then it's way better on TV. Yeah. Uh and I, I don't think we're in the minority in saying that. I think the majority of people are learning that it's just much better to just, you know, sit at home on your couch. You don't have to get a cab after the game. All It's expensive to go to an NFL game. But 
I guess just looking through the stats, it kind of triggered a couple more things. So Keyshawn Nixon kind of got shut down from what he got bottled up. Yeah, from from what we've seen, he did have one thirty yard return. Uh, he was definitely trying his ass off to make something happen, which was kind of. I mean, it kind of hurt us at some points, but I think you take it. I think you take it after the guy runs a 105, 106-yard kick return back. So he was definitely trying to make something happen, but Detroit was definitely prepared for him. Um, So I thought the way they kicked it to him, they they were putting it in the corners of the end zone to some extent, like making They were kicking it high, too. Yep, like 20 yards. Like a like across the field to catch the ball, and then he starts running, and he's not doesn't have like a like a step into it to run. He's catching it as he's moving sideways, and then taking off. And so I think that they had a plan in place on how to do this. That's interesting that you caught that because yeah, I w- I caught that they were kicking it higher, but yeah, no, he was definitely catching it laterally and then having to come forward with it. So. That is big. I remember back in the day when they used to put two guys back to like combat that, but yeah. We don't have two guys that can do it though, Pat. Yeah. And I mean, I think for the most part, you want your best guy getting that ball. So I think the way they do it now is probably better, but I mean, you just don't see a guy that you want to return a kick a lot anymore. I mean, I guess the Bills game kind of proved that wrong when the dude took two two touchdowns back in, in that game. Um, other than that, other big play that I failed to mention, Aaron Jones loses a, a big fumble late that stunted a drive on us. And I don't know, Packers fans were making that seem like kind of a theme uh, that he does it in big games, which it, it has happened before. Um but anyways, we didn't run the ball super well. Uh, as we alluded to, we were doing quite a few end arounds where Christian Watson ended up with two carries. Alan Lazard ended up with two carries for zero yards. Uh, Watson had one. Oh, no, he had two six-yard carries, so two carries for 12 yards. Uh, Jones and Dylan combined for 81 yards on 21 carries. Um, but yeah, just didn't run the ball that effectively. And yeah, it, it is what it is. It's the end of the season. It's a disappointing one. Uh, looked like we had some hope there for a minute and sure as shit, Detroit, Detroit definitely owed us a big, a big fuck you. And they gave it to us for sure. Oh, oh yeah. Like the karma that could come out of what has happened to Detroit uh, by the hands of the Packers, the karma that could come back to the Packers could be very bad in this little rivalry here. If, if that's the way it just like straight work was just straight karma. I think they've lost multiple games on the last play. Yeah. I mean that we missed the playoffs this year. Uh, Cause we go and two against Detroit, a team we usually go two and all against. So yeah, that. That hurts. Or we get, or we like give them the last game of the year, right? Yeah. Last year, we just said, "Here you go, like take a win. We're yep. fine with it." 
Well, do you got any more to add to that? Uh, no, I think that you, you covered everything pretty well. It was a lackluster performance out of the Packers. They should have. If you complete drives, we win that game kind of going away, I think. Yeah, no, I – yeah, I, I'm stuck on the first drive. But, I mean, obviously that's not the whole game and just just couldn't get it going. Weren't ever really in sync. And I'm trying to think of, like, when I realized we were in trouble. and. Gosh, I'm so optim- optimistic that I think when we responded on that touchdown and we were six up 16 to 13. No, I think that touchdown. So when, when Jamal Williams got his first touchdown, I was like, we might be in trouble. And then even when we scored that touchdown, I was like, this game isn't what I want it to be. This We're letting them hang around and we – when we've let teams hang around this year, it's it just hasn't worked out in our favor. Like, I think the yeah, Jets, not, yeah, the Jets whooped our ass, but the Giants, like that, it felt kind of like the Giants game to me. Yep. Same with the uh, Commanders game. Yeah, that's the same boat. Like that was another one that they just hung around and hung around and hung around, and we found out, you know. So, all right, you ready to go to the Bing Bongs? Yep. So week 18 on the Bing Bongs, Mike and I were dumbasses. We added the TCU uh, Georgia game to the end of our thing. And and we both took TCU and Georgia. Is I thought we both switched it to Georgia after the first half of that game. We made a decision. I wish we could. I wish we could retroactively go back and uh do that so we put 500 bing bongs on that one so take these numbers with a grain of salt so mike goes nine and nine on uh on the week including this game which with that 500 dollar thumping uh 550 yeah so 550 so you are negative 530 so you were positive before yeah before that happened and same with me so before that game i was 10 and 7 plus 330 330 minus 550 is negative 220 i want to say correct me if i'm wrong sounds Um, about right so we both end up losing money because we put 500 bing bongs on the ncaa championship but other than that in the nfl um i had a damn good week uh 10 10 and 7 I'll, I'll take it and then you were plus money so we we've been doing a little bit better lately and i guess if we just bounce around the league i mean as you all know if you're listening seahawks end up benefiting from our heartbreak and then the dolphins end up dancing and making it into the playoffs. So beat the Jets 11 to 6, which that's, is what a score. So that's a offensive guru scored 11 points in the NFL. Right? So that's what he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be like the an offensive genius. And I, just don't, str- I just don't get it. Third string quarterback. I think you got to So 
uh, the 49ers are on their third string quarterback. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's a good point. That's an offensive genius is. is Oh, no, I agree with you. And I'm starting to feel like more and more, we're going to have a repeat of, I can't remember what Super Bowl was, but 49ers and chiefs. uh, What was that? 2019. Packers just got their ass handed to them. I remember I had to work the night of the, the NFC championship game. I did have it on the TV, but it was, it was a rough NFC championship that, but do you got anything else you want to touch around the league? I guess we could get into, well, let's do that. No, get into who we got winning the Super Bowl. Um, Yep. So I don't, I don't really have anything to touch. I was, out most of the weekend i guess i caught some stuff saturday afternoon maybe but even the saturday night game i was doing something else i don't know what i was up to on saturday but i didn't watch much i was out skiing doing some spending some quality time with my oldest hoodlum yeah yeah no i plugged in the jaguars game it was it was pretty fun to watch but since you were out skiing Let's see. Let's roll into overs and unders. I'm assuming skiing is going to have something to do with yours because it always does. But yeah. So I, um, what? Well, so or, I, yeah, go. I, I'm trying to think if I have like a really bad under. I don't think I do. So I'll just get into my over right off the jump. And my over is I got a three day weekend this weekend due to the fact that I have to work on Saturday coming up which isn't the end of the world, right? Um, but I had a three-day weekend. I didn't get anything done. I didn't do anything special today. Picked up groceries. It's pretty yeah, pretty, pretty big for me. But um, <laughs> Good job, Mike. I know. Uh, I did get to just like kind of be at home, though, too, which is nice. Wait, so this was your over was you got to pick up groceries? Yeah. So I celebrate. No, so like this is how my weekend went. Saturday, I celebrated my son's birthday with it with my in laws, so my wife's family, and then Sunday I went skiing with uh with my daughter over at Christmas Mountain, and then today I just got to kind of kind of chill, right? So it's not like I'm at home alone. I got a hood rat running around, and then my wife is at home as well. So there's always something like being too comfortable doesn't exist, right? Oh, if there's never. other people in the house, like you can't just do nothing. But um, it was a pretty good weekend. I got back to just not doing much. And so I'm pretty happy with that. Nice. Nice. All right. I'll roll into my under. So I had a pretty, pretty big under. And honestly, I didn't even bring it up on the show because I was a little bit worried. So I did two shows ago. I was talking about how my dog was like a little bit sick and he was acting like a human. And turns out it wasn't actually cute, sick. It was, he was pretty sick. So he just wasn't acting himself. And it was going on for like three days before it got to the point. Uh, he does he never goes to the bathroom in the house and he was having accidents pretty frequently and I won't get into all the details, but throwing up. Uh, so then I was like, 
I got to take him to the emergency vet just to give myself peace of mind uh, that he wasn't that bad. So I take him to the emergency vet. Thank God we have dog insurance. I I never thought that that was actually going to be a thing that I was very happy to have. And they do a blood test on him. His phosphorus level was low. So if any of you vets are out there and you're telling you're telling me they were messing with me, but apparently that can lead to like dogs having seizures if it's too low. So they ended up wanting to keep them for overnight with, with a plan to keep them for three nights. But anyways, he's such a trooper. He only had to stay overnight at the vet one night, came back. He was pretty sleepy. Still is. I'm looking at him right now. Uh, but Back to 100%. He bounced back. He's good to go. Been on some long walks, kicking. But that that was pretty scary there. For yeah, that'd be a minute. Uh, when your dog gets sick. That's fairly tough, right? Because yeah. like you can't do like you can't do anything about it because they can't talk to you. Like you just know like oh they're fucked up, and then that's it. Yeah, he was like wobbly and stuff, and I was just like, what can be going wrong? And he's only three. I mean, he's almost four now, but like still, he's a little Jack Russell, Terrier, Corgi-looking yeah. dog. So it's not... So like 13, 14 should be like the minimum, kind of, right? Yeah, yeah. And he'll probably live till he's like 50. I'm pretty sure that's what I tell myself, so... Oh, yeah, see, that's a don't start telling yourself <laughs> that shit. Like, that'll get you, that'll kill you. Yeah. But yeah, so that was, that was that. And I would say my over. So, uh, it was drill weekend this weekend, which I always enjoy going back. I was super excited. They moved the Packers game to late. So that sounds like an under. So that, that was another part of my under. That I well yeah yeah I didn't get to be obligated to uh, say that I was at drill so I couldn't watch the game so did watch that painstaking game but I guess my over was I watching the Jacksonville game with Jacksonville fans and just just how excited that they were and then finding two of those unicorns in the world like I really don't. <laughs> think i knew a, a jaguars fan and i live in the area so it, it cuts off hard because you never see jaguars gear in tallahassee and honestly in the duval area you see a little bit but it it's it's not as much as like if you were going to go to green bay chicago detroit even i would say like but I mean, it's a state with three different teams and Miami has like a pretty heralded history. I would say, I mean, they, they've got a super bowl, the only undefeated team. Tampa has got a couple super bowls. So they share the state with, with two teams that have been better than them. I guess that, that, I mean, that statement's true for sure, but, but it was cool to see the jet, the city of Jacksonville, pretty happy because then I had to drive in Jacksonville the next day uh, to do a training and I got to the wing which is actually in Jacksonville and 
there were some Jags fans in there too that I didn't know, but there was guys talking about the game. So it, it, Jacksonville was buzzing. It was cool to see. Huh. Very cool. Very cool. All right. You got anything else for us today, Pat? No, I think you can take us home. As always, thank you for listening. We love you. Yep. We appreciate it. And for all you suckers that are doubting the Brewers, the Bucks, the Badgers, or the Packers, you can eat our shorts. Packers, Packers are winning the Super Bowl next year. All them suckers that doubted the Packers can't eat my shorts. All them suckers that doubted the Packers can't eat my shorts. Eat em. All them suckers that doubted the Packers can't eat my shorts. Eat my shorts.